Hey guys, uh, thanks for tuning in to Imply Companies, The Lion's Dead. This is Sam Lyons checking in with you before the show, and I've got here with me the very funny Kate Barton. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, so we just had a really great conversation just talking mm-hmm. about uh, the writing process and what stand-up and art in general have meant to both of us over the years through different experiences. Yeah. And we just want to take a minute and talk to you about our sponsors. Uh, we've got some great sponsors here for Imply Company. Uh, one of those I know Kate and I are both big fans of is the Crow's Nest. Over Crow's Nest, yeah. Seventy three thirty six Manchester, right in the heart of historic Maplewood. It's open seven days a week. You can go mm-hmm. in there anytime for uh, best patio in St. Louis, I think. It's a great patio. We also have uh, wild card comedies there on Wednesday. Nights, Wednesday nights, which is hosted fun. by you can see both of us pretty regularly. It's hosted by Chris Sear, and Papa Daddy Roach of Impolite Company, and also J C Sabala. Uh, they also have metal brunch. Metal on brunch Saturday. on the weekends. So good. What's your favorite metal brunch? So good. Um, oh, that was a there, there's a scream that yeah, just happened the, outside. The, it's those damn neighborhood kids with their water balloons. What happened with that? What happened with the water balloons? I was I was walking down the street to the market to get a snack, and these kids just started throwing water balloons at me. And then you tried to get them arrested, right? No, I did not. No, I just... just, What I did was I kept walking to the market, uh, and then I just took the long way back to my house. I wouldn't have to walk by them again. (laughs) You're a grown man, and you had to, like... Okay, because what what are my options? I'd say, hey, stop throwing water balloons at me. Do you think they're going to stop throwing water balloons at me? It's like, whatever 1980s Barack Obama. Yeah. (laughs) What, am I going to knock on the door and and tell their dad to tell them to stop? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I got. I just don't like bad kids. I like the French shows. Thank you. Those are long. (laughs) We've also got uh, Taco Circus. Taco Circus. 4258 Schiller. That's right. It's a taco. I've never been to Taco Circus. You've never been to Taco Circus? That name sounds like two things I'd find very fun. They are very fun and they are both there. There's not an actual circus, but. It's um, an amazement how good the tacos are. It's authentic Austin, Texas-style Mexican food. Ooh, I, I went to school in Austin. There you go. a little bit at UT. Yeah, you'll find very similar tacos. Okay. And that's at Taco Circus, uh, which is open Wednesday through Monday Ooh. for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Ooh, okay. You can order when you get there. You can order ahead and pick it up. You can even do catering. Wow. So if you uh, end up selling that wedding dress... You can also recommend that they have tacos. I like how it's like I like how it's like if you end up selling a wedding dress, like not not like if you find someone. Oh, I just assumed that you would get it. You would Are you? Would you plan on using the same? Hell no. Okay. All right. All right. I, know, I know how women's bonds work. Uh, okay. No, All right. But there's no bad luck when you go to Taco Circus. No bad luck, Taco Circus. Forty-two fifty-eight Schiller, just a soft tacos throwaway. They also the do weddings. Meal. I don't know that. Well, I do bet now. you they will. <laughs> Tell them Kate sent you. <laughs> uh, and then we've got the Fortune Teller Bar. Ooh. 2635 Cherokee Street, just right down the block from where we are right now. They're open seven days a week. You go in there for delicious cocktails made with their in-house bitters. And at the same time, you can get your fortune told. I, I think I did get yep. my fortune told. They do, they do palm readings, tarot cards, and tea leaves. And they'll tell you what's in, on the horizon for you. I actually... I thought I saw a diagram in a Cosmopolitan magazine on like how to read a palm. Yeah. Um, so I was like sitting next to my friend Doug, and I was like, "Hey, Doug, give me your palm." And then I figured out it was um, like how to give a good hand job. And so I'm like, "All right." Oh, poor Doug. That will not work. Crow's Nest, Taco Circus, Fortune Teller Bar. Bar. Those are the sponsors. Uh, 
coming up, you can find me at the Helium uh, semifinals July fourteenth. Uh, you got we've got Kate's show dates. You can listen to the episode to find out those. But she's got South, uh, the South Side no Clayton Comedy Series. Clayton Comedy Series yeah. at Kingside After Dark. After Dark. Uh, and also Chad Wallace's birthday July eleventh. New Comics Who Dis at comics the Heavy Anchor. The Heavy Anchor and then the Southtown Pub Employee uh, Company Showcase. Employee Company takes over. We are live. Yeah, that's July twenty fifth. That's right at Southtown Pub. We just said we were gonna make them wait. We gave it all away. Listen, listen we talked about some fun stuff. You should still hang around. Maybe we lied. Maybe those, that's not where she's going to be. Maybe you have to listen to the episode. Like Carmen San Diego. Listen to Lions Day. <laughs> listen to Implied Company Classic with Chris Sear, and listen to the Implied Coffee Break on Fridays with Yale Hollander. Yeah, yeah. And have a good one. Well, you know comedy's not good, right? Holy shit. This is breaking news. Mm-hmm. I mean, your comedy's not good, Sam. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Oh. Wow. And now, Impolite Company presents The Lion's Den. Rawr! <laughs> Lifestyle and Canadis. Action, adventure, sex, and violence. Comedy, the drama gets extra wild when we get cinematic. I've been an addict of the beats. Fuck with me, cause I got full custody. Of the seeds that I plant between measures, extreme pleasure, like a dream in the queen's treasure. More better blues till we fade to black. Test, test, one, two. It should, this fucking mic like stopped working almost. It should be picking up way like Can you say something? Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, that's really. Yeah, I can amplify it afterwards. Beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two. Okay, if we, if we can get it around like this. If we can project. Yeah, if we use our stage voices. I'm projecting. Under the... Emotionally. Go ahead. And volume-wise. Spiritually? Spiritually? Uh, not that spiritual of a person. Uh, okay. Well, you, but... That's fine. Okay, Just step sorry. all over. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam, spiritually. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll go back <laughs> and I'll edit out the part where you were bad. At it and then I'll just, okay, all right. I'll just, Wait, are, is this, are we actually? We can, yeah, we'll just. You just fucking test tested me <laughs> and then I said some stupid shit and then I, I forgot to even ask the rules. Is there what anything rules? I'm not allowed to say? Listen to your heart. Just go, just if you don't think your mom would want to hear it, just I'm say it anyway. I'm mad that you started without me knowing. We, I can take out all of this. I find it's better to just go right into it. It's always okay. like, the best podcasts are the ones where it starts and there's already conversation. I guess going on rather than have to genetically modify that. I think <laughs> we just do organic. But no, we can just. Yeah, right, do you want? What do you want? What do you want to talk about? And then we'll find the appropriate place to actually. I can edit out all of this and we can have a real start if you like a real what start. What have you talked to everybody else about? Uh. Whatever they've got going on. Brendan, when he lived here, we would just watch bad movies and we would talk about those. Okay. Uh, but whatever, like if you've got shows going on, we'll talk about shows. We can okay. just talk about your writing process, why you okay. do, why you would do this to yourself, why you... Mm-hmm. Would, why I started do, doing stand-up. Yes. What's your, what's your why you started doing stand-up story? Uh, I started doing stand-up because when I was five, I uh, wrote a joke okay. about uh, Adam and Eve. Okay. And... It was very similar to a Daniel Tosh joke. I think the the basic punchline was women eat everything. Uh, and then, <laughs> uh, and then I, I didn't do anything ever again. And I started uh, listening to Pandora in college. And I found okay. out there was a comedy station. Yeah. So you could, like, so you could like, search like Daniel Tosh or whoever. And mm-hmm. it would just start playing bits for you. And I was like, wow, this is really fun. These guys are really funny. 
but I thought you had to. I thought you had to be famous and then become a comedian because the people that, that sounds, I knew that sounds dangerous. <laughs> the people that I knew of as comedians, Robin Williams. Okay. I knew him as an actor first, right. and then okay. oh, he also does comedy. Drew Carey, uh, Red Fox, Richard. Pro- I thought so I, every comedian I knew of was also an actor, so I thought you had to do one with them before you could do the other. And then I, I didn't know what open mics were until my last semester of college, and uh-huh. found out there was a monthly comedy open mic in my college town. Mm-hmm. Like, why have we not been going to this? And <laughs> so uh, we went to watch it in uh, this bar called the Blind Pig. Uh, okay. Shout out to Blind Pig in downtown Oxford. Uh, and they did this mic, and uh, most of the people were really bad. And I was like, oh, I can be bad. Yeah. Okay. Also, and then I just spent like the next month writing. But like, I always, I wanted to do stand like, I just, I've always enjoyed making people laugh. Like, okay. and, and there's yeah. like a room with like a group of people, and there's one like funny person in the group. I'm like, oh, I want to be. You want to be, you want it to be the funny person. I want to be the funny person. See, I had, I had a different approach to it. I got into stand-up, um, more so as like a writing tool, Mm because my background is in like film stuff and writing scripts and things like that, and I thought it would be, um, kind of a great way to just like generate new content, like on a weekly basis, and also I actually got into it to break these habits I have of being like a perfectionist. Are you a perfectionist at all? Or, have, you, I mean, have you met me? I mean, see, no, I'm just in, like spitballing here. Sure, like, not are in, you? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay, not so all. I am. Okay. And it's very like crippling and draining and it makes like the other work that I do insanely hard. Um, so what's interesting is that, um, well, okay, so what I like, what drew me to stand up then was like when you go on stage and you do your four minutes, it, mm-hmm. it like ends the creative act, you know, after your four minutes, that's done. You have to live with however it turned out. Whereas like, if you were doing something like writing a script or writing a song or editing a film, you know, you can spend as long as you theoretically want to. So it kind of got me in the practice of, you know, bringing something to completion and dealing with the emotions that go around that. I get that. Okay. So maybe I am a perfectionist by that. Well, because I mean, like you can like stand up. You can always go back. You can always edit your jokes. Yeah. You can always, you know, do that. But however, but, you tell them in that moment, like for this set, right. the set you do is the set. Did you watch Crashing? Uh, no. Okay. No. Though, so, uh, one of the later episodes, it's John Mulaney is in it, and he's getting ready to mm-hmm. go on for like a big theater performance, and they're walking down towards the stage, and he's just saying, "The show is starting. The show is about to start. <laughs> the show isn't going to not start." <laughs> I hate stand-up comedy. <laughs> All of my life, I wanted to be a comedian. I know my least favorite thing in the world is stand-up comedy. <laughs> and that's how, like, that's how I feel. But that, that's how I've come to feel about every set. Like, it's going to happen right now. And then just right. go out there and it's boom. It's happening and it's yeah. over. And then, yeah, you go back and you can pick apart at it. I hit, I had, I've noticed this, um, I hit this point where, um, like, you know, cause a lot of people are afraid of stand up at first because they're worried about embarrassing themselves in front of a bunch of people, you mm-hmm. know, but like, I'm now to the point where like, if I bomb or something like that, I don't, it's, I have, I have no feelings about what they think of me at all at yep. this point. It's like, oh, I wrote that and that didn't turn out how I went. Like, that's the hurt. And yeah. I feel like it's way worse than like, oh, they're not going to like me, you know, like. I don't know. I don't know when that shifted, but that's like definitely 
where I am. Well, you, when you stop fearing, how I learned to stop fearing the bomb, isn't that like? Is that, is that is that a thing? I see. I'm inexperienced. I don't know. No, it's not, <laughs> I don't know. It's what not, is that? No, it's it's some movie. It's called like Dude's Doctor Feelgood or How I Learned to Stop Fearing the Bomb. Okay. I'm sorry. That was well. That was out of left field. Okay. Way out. Right, duck. Uh, no, but definitely, I definitely. Understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like it's gonna. You're gonna do your set, and someone's gonna like it. Someone's not gonna like it, or mm-hmm. everybody's not gonna like it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just get off stage. And go write something better, and yeah. or if it overworks, and cool, keep writing that. Mm-hmm. Just move forward. Yeah, I had I also did that thing at first when I was like trying to be prolific, where I would, uh, you know, I'd try to write something new every week. That was a complete fucking mistake. Oof. But I oh, can I say that? Sorry. I yeah. Oh, okay. Oh no, We're I was, I was leaving good. that. Sorry. Feeling. Okay. And watch your fucking mouth on my show. Okay? Sorry. God. Sorry. 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 I I didn't know. Um, but yeah, like that. I mean, it's cool for generating ideas, but obviously not all ideas are great yeah. ideas. And like, and that actually led to a little insecurity for me because I, I you know, go present this new idea, but obviously I wasn't, I wasn't secure enough in it yet to perform it. And then I thought, like, well, maybe am I, am I not good at this because I'm not doing it? so. That's when I really started honing the yeah. four minutes, the it, whatever, you know that. And that, that's a problem with like stand up, mm-hmm. and I guess with music maybe too that like uh-huh. separates from other forms. Of art because like it, to my knowledge I'm not like a painter or anything but mm-hmm. if you do painters or if you do if you do sculptures or, or theater acting the vast majority of people are going to only see the finished product right like 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 other professionals in your field will see like rehearsals or as you're sketching out mm-hmm. what you're working on things like that or the but but for stand up and I think some for music the audience only hears only hears the final. Like they like they have to see all of it. They have to yeah. see like from the beginning to the end. So if an audience member comes out, it's their first time seeing you, and you've got one of those newer jokes in your arsenal for the night, right? And it doesn't work. That that might be the only impression that audience member gets of you. But I don't care what they think anymore, Sam. No, that's what I was saying. That's, that's, <laughs> I was saying that that's I was just really right. I also had struggled with that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's probably something I think most mm-hmm. stand ups go through at least at some point in their process. Yeah. I, was, I was talking with a friend who just just started doing stand up, and uh, she was asking like if it's okay to like try the same joke at the same open mic two weeks in a row. I was like, no, that's that's exactly right. Like the, yeah, I'd love the the number one mistake that I think new stand up comics make, and that's including myself, is you spend too long focusing on is thinking you have to have new material every time you get up. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what I was trying to tie back around to is that the rehearsal part of the performance is the rehearsal like it's, yeah. it's all one just stream of consciousness process i just think it's funny i just think it's funny like looking back at like bits i wrote that used to span about four minutes and i'm like oh i think i've kept maybe one or two mm-hmm. jokes and then completely just like trash the rest it's yep. like it's amazing um but yeah i i would say i would say it's been really good for me um and i'm kind of like you said that, you know, you were listening to, you know, comics and podcasts. I, I'm coming at it from the exact opposite. So now as I'm doing it, mm-hmm. I'm, like, trying to go in and listen to all these, like, different comics. Because, like, I'll get, like, questions like, oh, who's your favorite? I'm like, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still kind of like that, too. Like, yeah, like, when I was yeah. high school, college, I listened to, like, I watched all, like, the Cat Williams DVDs, Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. And we, like I said, I would listen to whatever. You know, I'd watch Tosh.0, things like that. Yeah. But it, like, it wasn't until I started doing stand-up that I really started taking care to know who other 
comedians were. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, I can have a conversation about like Richard Pryor, like, like mm-hmm. you know, the, the people that like I, I kind of look up, Hannibal Burris, people like that, that I kind of look up to and try to take some of my learning from. But like, I can't have a conversation about. I don't. Know, I can't. I can't even think. Like, there's so many comedians out there that people spend mm-hmm. all this time just lauding and applauding and praising. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. If, like, I don't know. Seth Meyers, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. Um, no, even like some of the. See, I can't even think like who the legends and the greats would be. Like, going back to Crash, like you have like a lot of comedians through in, throughout the series showing mm-hmm. up for episodes. Yeah. Like Artie Lang and uh, what's his name? Like the weird alt guy. You know, it's Emo Phillips. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And people, people are like, oh my God, it's Emo Phillips. He's a fucking legend in this scene. Like, no, I've never heard of that person. Like, I'm just yeah. out here trying, I'm just telling my jokes. Like, I'm not yeah. telling his jokes. I don't need to know who he is. Yeah. But I've, I've been trying to get away from that and actually hear, like Carlin. Like, I, like, I've never listened to any George Carlin. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if he's funny or not. I actually had, I, I did a little, like, freelance writing. I take it back because I had watched some stand-up. I, um... I did this freelance writing website uh-huh. for a little bit, just like random jobs and stuff like that. And I think I wrote some kid's college essay nice. for him, like, or at least researched it because he's like, I need you to watch like videos of these 15 different comedians and give me like a one paragraph summary on each of them. And like, but there'd be names like, you know, like George Carlin. I'm like, okay, then I need to give you a couple of paragraphs. Cause like him at the beginning of his career is not, He's not the same comic right, he was right. at the end of his career, but yeah, I think uh, I wrote I wrote a whole bunch of shit on that website. I wrote erotica briefly. You know, I was uh, I wasn't I wasn't bad at it, but I was like I hadn't read any of it, uh-huh. you know. Um, and that was a very popular thing that was that was coming up, and I make a, a joke about it in a, a film I shot a few years ago. Um, that like I was so inexperienced that it was. It was more of like a ratio issue. Like I didn't know how much sex to story right, to have. Right. I'm like, all right, am I writing like historical fiction with a lot of sex in it, or like erotica with a historical fiction theme? Like where, <laughs> like the, good, how people, much? What people don't understand is like good erotica. Okay, I don't know. Enlighten me because I'm pretty sure whatever wasn't the best. It doesn't. <laughs> Well, it doesn't really matter how much actual sex happens in the story as long as everything in the story. Is honest, I, I already it, think I fucked up. As, uh, <laughs> as, 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 like, as leading up to the sex, as long as whatever turn the story takes is getting us closer to some kind of sex, it can just be a, a ten pages of bullshit conversation on the train. I took it. I took it the opposite yeah. <laughs> way. I think. Like I want to get like paid well. Um, I've always been a bit of a snob with my erotic. Okay. So, right. so maybe maybe that's what the masses. What's your genre? You like? Do you uh, like, uh, I read. A, I used historical to read a lot. Historical fiction. Do you like? So I read. You've a, legitimately read. Hang on. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. What? I, what? Uh, okay. <laughs> I was very sad when the Harry Potter series ended because they were. Jesus listen, Christ. Let me tell you. <laughs> do you want to hear the story or don't yes. you? <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'm. Okay. When I when the last book came out. Uh, I couldn't, I was waiting for like my copy to come. My aunt had ordered me a copy and we shipped it. It took about two weeks to get there. And I was like, I need to read this book now. And so I went on LimeWire because uh, sometimes you can get. Oh God, that thing gave me so many viruses. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and I, I downloaded a copy, uh, of a PDF file of the seventh Harry Potter book, and it ended up being not the seventh Harry Potter book. Oh, no. uh, it was someone's fan fiction of it <gasps> because they had already read it and hated the last book, and so they decided to write their own. And this one wasn't erotica, but it was an actual, it was a 600-page fan fiction wow. seventh novel. And was I read it, good? it was, I mean, it was really good. good. Yeah. And it went a very different route than J.K. went. Yeah. Uh, and so then when I did read the seventh book, it was always like, oh man, I really love these books and I can't read them anymore. And mm -hmm. then I was like, maybe I can find some more fan fiction. So mm -hmm. uh, there's a website, uh, the portkey.org. The port The portkey.org. Port port like, okay. Are you a Harry Potter? I, I didn't Port keys were like these objects that. that they would use to travel from okay. one place to another. All and right. so the, the port keys was to take you back to the universe of Harry Potter. Okay. And... A lot of it was just erotic fan fiction. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> but it had. So you're into Harry Potter erotic fan fiction. Was like I, I, it's been was. a while. Sorry, been a while. I'm not saying right. like, I'll go back and visit every once in a while. It <laughs> was a good like two year span there. Where I read a lot of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> there's okay. a there's a, a 18 chapter story where uh, Ron and Ginny. Weasley both die in a car wreck and Harry and Hermione have to move in together to raise all of their kids and end up falling for each other. Wow. And it's like, that's what, like, the first eight or nine chapters, it's just like, oh, our spouses are, are dead, our kids are sad, we've got to yeah. you know, stand together and build strong for this family that we have to create now. Yeah. And then about chapter nine oh, is where Jesus. the actual sexual tension starts coming in. Yeah. And start looking at each other in this different way. You never know, you don't know what's going to happen. Good or bad things <laughs> should be like season two Grey's Anatomy like, like, that, I, like that kind of writing. I'm glad I'm glad that I I switched from that because I was apparently bombing well not well, but you know what <laughs> apparently <laughs> that was your open mic that was my yeah. open mic <laughs> yeah the weirdest thing I ever got asked to write was like one that was like set on a mini golf course I don't know enough to recount what I actually <laughs> ended up saying I don't recall it but that was like okay all right buddy do you have these saved anywhere Thank God I don't. Oh, man, I don't. I'm me. so happy that I do not. I would have you pull up your email right now. Oh. I'll read it on air. Mm -mm. No way. But yeah. But um, so like you, so I do film stuff and stand up stuff, and you, you just started. Have you? You know, we know what we're talking about. You just did a short film. Yes. I, yeah, yeah. I did. I was. Uh, I got to do a few scenes, and I've done two this year. Two this year. Yeah, okay. I did, uh, one with uh, Striker Spurlock. Fun. Uh, local St. Louis extraordinaire, I guess you would oh call him. Oh my gosh, he had anything. me cracking up at the helium competition. Uh, Striker. So funny. But yeah, he, he's working on a film this year that I got to a couple scenes with, and then uh, another project with, you know, here where I insert their, the studio's name, uh, but it's a, it's a short film about like uh, social anxiety mm -hmm. and kind of how it reflects in the home life and in the workplace. And so I, I did a yeah. few scenes as like an office worker mm -hmm. in that. Uh, but yeah, th these are the first like actual roles I've done. Like I did theater in middle school and high mm -hmm. school. I was really into it. And then when I moved high schools from Texas to Mississippi, there was no like theater program at that mm -hmm. school. So I just kind of stopped doing it. Uh, and it wasn't until I started getting into stand-up that it kind of opened up the door to all these other avenues that I'd previously loved. I mean, that I don't know if you can speak to that, but, like, I, I do acting in addition to, like, film stuff. And stand-up was also, like, a performance tool for me. Right. Because, like, I, I notice a lot of comics on stage, and I'm like, God, I, I would love to, like, put them in something or put them in a film. And so, I don't know. That's what I really love 
about doing creative things and doing things in the arts. It's like sometimes you feel like when you're pursuing like one thing, you plateau at a certain point. Yep. You feel like you can't move forward. But what's great about it is then you could like, you could branch out. You know, yeah. you could try a different avenue. And sometimes, most of the time, in fact, doing that other thing helps push you further really than what does. you were originally yeah. trying to do. Like, um, with script writing, like doing stand-up, that's, that's made me write tighter lines of dialogue. I know how to do jokes more effectively mm-hmm. now. Um, have you, I mean... Yeah, just stand-up was, a, like, you know, kind of opened those doors through me. So through getting into stand-up, I was able to... Uh, just meet a lot of comedians here in the city, a lot of mm-hmm. you know improvisers as well through the mm-hmm. improv shop, and that's how I, I can be part of Late Night Live, mm-hmm. which was the. Uh, did live. you do? I mean, did you do improv for a while at all? Mm, I, uh, I was. I did a little in college. Okay. As, like right when I started stand up, I was doing stand up and improv. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it was this. It was like well, it was like a co- comedy troupe. So I did more mm-hmm. of like the sketches, and I I do like the short form games like at the end of the show with mm-hmm. them. Uh, but yeah, I got, that got me to do Late Night Live, just the talk show we did last fall at the mm-hmm. improv shop. Uh, so that was like a whole new writing experience, trying to you know put together a live production every week with twenty different people. All how many people were writing on that? Uh, we had four head writers and then fifteen staff, and but wow. the, but everybody was writing as well as performing. See, that's like that's like my my top dream is to like be a showrunner. Mm-hmm. And like have my own show and stuff, but I also like really want that experience of like working in a writer's room. Yes, yeah. Um, the film that just came out, Mindy Kaling's film, Late Night. That was I loved How every it? Yeah. second. I loved every second of it. I'd see it like five more times. But that was it was just so cool to like see that that specific world that like I really want to play in. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, like I would probably you know want to do something more like a sitcom or a you know an hour long drama or whatever but like it was it was fantastic like she was absolutely fantastic I think it's one of the best things that she's ever written um but yeah it's it's really cool so what was the late night like writer's room like like what was that because I've never actually been in one uh, Sam tell me it was just a lot of just just pitching bad ideas at each other and right. so we found like the ones that, that had just enough of like a chuckle in them that we could work from something mm-hmm. but no, it was it was it was great so it was you know about 20 of us just in the space every week and we're just kind of, well, we would submit ideas through like Google Drive and then read those over and then during the meeting every week we'd kind of just pitch back and forth and see what we could punch up and uh, we'd go through like run-throughs of rough drafts to see what we want to move on to the next phase. But it was really, it was just a great way to learn how to be more personal with your writing mm-hmm. and, and it, it got rid of a lot of fear that I used to have of people mm-hmm. not liking my writing because I'm mm-hmm. getting to see all these other people that are just like, yeah, just read this and tell me what you think of it. I, 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 I appreciate criticism, but mm-hmm. I'm really bad at taking it. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. but, but having to be a writer like this really helped a lot with that and uh, it, it made me come to see comedy as more of like a community yeah, that's thing. that's one thing that I'm kind of really uh, looking for as I'm, like, progressing, um, like, more of a collaborative yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, because this will sound, this is probably why this experience was overwhelming for me. But I, um, I mentioned earlier, you know, I shot a feature film a, a few years ago, and it was my first big thing that I've done. Um, and... I ha- at the time, I had this feeling like I have to... I did too many jobs, essentially. Sure. Because, one, it was like I viewed it as, like, my baby, and, 
and stuff like that. And I also, knowing it was my first big thing, I wanted to have as much of an understanding of everything as I could. Mm -hmm. So I did, not everything, everything, but as much as you can do without driving yourself completely insane. Um, And obviously that burned me out to an extent. And and I, I wasn't able to do as good of a job as I wanted on everything. I mean, I know what goes into it now. Um, so in a way that's nice because then I get to like pick and choose, but I wish like if I could go in back in time, I wish I would have made that more of a, uh, a collaborative experience. Cause I, I had fun doing it, but right. obviously not as much fun as I could have. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's, um, and, and it's cool. Like, especially getting to meet all of these, these personalities doing like stand up and film where, where I'm meeting people who we have similar aspirations and I really like just different people I like want to work with them like a few of the um, female comics in the scenes I've I've listened to interviews with them and they mentioned like wanting to write for their own shows and like in the back of my head I'm like oh my god that would be so fun to like write something together or try yeah. something together have um, you reached out to anybody yet? I haven't I haven't, I haven't we'll talk about it be I, I know I know it's something I need to do and it's something I need to because uh, like yeah there's there's so much that's that's one thing because obviously like um, like I would love to move to a city um, that has more like film stuff right. going on like New York or LA. New York is where I would very much like to go, um, but I have a son, so I stay here. Um, that's that's kind of the big the big thing. Um, but also, I do really feel like there, are, there, are, there's just as much talent in St. Louis so much as you might find other places. It's so really... it's kind of like it's kind of like because part of it for me is like I don't want to be famous. I just want to like make stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, like I would love that to be my career, but I'd also just love to make stuff all yeah. the time. I'm not gonna lie. I'd like to be being famous. Would You'd be like cool. to be okay. But it'd also be I've, cool if I was like if I could go out to a restaurant and someone right. be like, "Is that you want a moderate level of fame?" Yes, like a, like a like a like, respected author. Like almost. you can pay your bills, but yeah. nobody really cares about your personal life. Like right, right, okay, or will ruin your dinner or something. Yeah, they like, can care. Yeah, as long like as yeah. ten autographs tops, then go back to your dinner. <laughs> like, just famous enough that uh, someone sends a drink over to my table, and nice. then I can like tip to them, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then pay their bill and just pour the drink on the floor in front of me, and then pay to get the carpet at the restaurant clean too. Like, that, like just that, you know. Not I don't, I don't, like. I'm, I'm I don't want anybody like. I don't want to be like famous to the extent that like people are like waiting outside my house to snap terrible pictures right, of right, me. You right. know. Like, just that one tasteful little photo every now and again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think we want the same level of... Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but, and, and I think it's something that can be found in St. Louis. And, mm-hmm. I, it, it's, and you almost want to say it's a scene on the rise, but I don't even think that's right because the talent has been here for years. Mm-hmm. I think it's been underrated. And it's just... it's just the, the city's just starting to get the recognition it should have been getting for mm-hmm. a while. You know, when you've got things... Like Fringe Festival and uh, yeah. Forty Eight Hour Film mm-hmm. Festival, Flyover Comedy yeah. Festival, come mm-hmm. back for the third year in a row. Like, like there's so many great things going on. This and there's so much talent untapped. And I think it's just a 
matter of figuring out who you want to work with next and just yeah. reaching out to that person. And that's that's part of the reason I, I, I dig stand-up too. Um, it's like because so you get more I feel like you get more opportunities um, you know being a local comic um, and you get to meet people you get to have that FaceTime yeah. with some of the big headliners who come through who like if you were on a film set you wouldn't get the same FaceTime you probably would not be, You'd be able on to different talk ends of the set. To them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's really inspiring cuz like a lot of the bigger comics who come through are also actors, they're also showrunners. They have those um, they have those experiences some work in writers rooms yep. and you you know you get that downtime after a show to talk to them and it's I don't know, it's been it's been really great and it's giving me um, kind of an alternative roadmap to doing what I want. Mm-hmm. And there's, I feel like in, in stand-up too, there's more of a sense of progress sometimes than other art forms. Touch on that. Um, no, I just mean, I, there's a, um, there's kind of a hierarchy, a little bit of okay. steps, of no, tangible sure, steps. Sure, yeah. You know, you do the mics, you get hosting gigs, you, you, you move some up. Local are, showcases. There yeah. are steps, yeah. whereas like, you know, film and television, it's like, there, there are to an extent steps there too but um doing film and stuff locally it's, yeah. it just feels like there's like it's kind of like make something hope it works you know like yeah just do a screening somewhere it, that's kind of what i'm saying that, that goes back to where i was saying it's about, expensive it's cheaper it's expensive. to do stand up i wasn't too. yeah I, I mean, like, oh just do like just snap and do it i know we're, we're i'm working on a tv show now that's yeah, yeah but uh but, but it goes back to what I was saying about, like, the people will only see the final product. And then once you have it done, you can kind of put it out there. But, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. yeah there's... Well, let's talk about something also fun. Okay, so going back to, like, just stand-up and writing in general. Um, how long did it take you, and if it's still if you're still working on it, uh, how long did it take you to kind of find your voice or the things that you wanted to talk about um, doing stand-up? Finding it every day. Finding it every day, yeah, okay. So just working more and more getting comfortable with who I and with what I find funny like, so like when uh-huh. I first started writing I was and I was like doing open mics and I like put the videos on Facebook so people could see them mm-hmm. and I found myself being very particular about what I talked about on stage because you know mm-hmm. what my, my family might hear it, people in my you know my church are going to hear it and I just didn't want to have to deal with like them asking me questions about why I'm talking about this kind of material so a lot of it was clean not saying there's anything wrong with clean because still a lot of my stuff is you know clean yeah. in its presentation but the the subject matter was very like fluffy and, and I, I wasn't really talking about the the things that i was laughing at when i would hear them from other people mm-hmm. aren't the same things that i was doing on stage like yeah. i was i would enjoy what comedians were performing for the audience but then in my mind, I should be like, okay, this is why I enjoy hearing, so I should enjoy saying this too. It took me a while to get to that. And I've only in the past year or so probably really started getting yeah. to that point. And it goes back to that, that, you know, that feeling of being able to be honest and open on stage. Mm-hmm. To get from the writers, and we also get that from just saying, like, fuck, like, this is what I want to do, and this is what I find funny, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it. And if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't found I, I guess to, to answer your question, working on it now. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, it'll. I think it'll definitely always be something. Um, I mean, if you're not like growing and evolving, then you know, you're stagnant, and that's not good. Yeah. So I, I mean, I do think it's a process, but I do remember because I've only been doing it for a year and 
maybe three months, something like that. Um, but I remember when I first started, because I have a, a son, I, I knew that I, like, I, I was worried about talking to like, talking about him, because mm -hmm. I didn't want to be, like, labeled, like, oh, you're the, like, mom kind of, because, like, people, people like, um, generally having a shorthand for something that they can understand, yeah. you know, they want to view you a specific way. They want a category, they want a job right. to put you It in. just, it just helps them understand and process and relax and yeah. ease into what you're saying. And so I, I didn't want to be that because... I wouldn't say, like, it's really funny. Every time I call myself, like, a young mom, I forget that there are, like, people who got married out of college and got pregnant on purpose. <laughs> like, I forgot that was something. Yeah. That, like, I got pregnant when I was, like, 23. Um, and my son's six now. So, like, it's something that I forget that, you know, people did because they wanted to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I, I didn't want to be labeled that because I, I identify more with you know the my single friends who don't have kids you right. know it's kind of like a split personality i get that a little bit and i'm definitely like the black sheep when i'm around you know some of my son's um classmates moms you know so i was i was very wary about that um but then I, I feel like I took it the other way. Then I was kind of just like doing like raunchy material which like when i say my material is raunchy like it is it is it isn't clean but it's not like too, too, too sure. explicitly yeah. vulgar. But it's it is it's like, what so they would have us think is raunchy. Yeah, yeah. right. Especially, um, I, would, I would assume, uh, being a woman. Yeah, yeah. and I, I feel, you know what, I feel like people, I really noticed this, I feel like, you know, people definitely take it different coming out of a, a woman's mouth. Even if I'm talking about, like, my own vagina. Like, sure. people are, like, if a man talks about it, that's a little safe. If I'm talking about, like, it's... <laughs> I feel like people still tighten up. Can it's I, like, no, but I own it. Like, yeah. it's mine. <laughs> Honestly, like, that's always surprised me to an extent. Because, like, that's I never weird. felt that way about, like, like women doing comedy. Like, I was like, yeah, like, if you think it's funny, it's funny. Like, yeah, it's a, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a vagina joke. Cool. Yeah. But I did, I definitely had an issue with that. That I had noticed myself in recent years with rap. Because uh, I found myself judging, like, female rappers. Okay. <laughs> a lot more. Like, why are you so angry Interesting. Like, it's, but, but it's something that never like crossed over to me in comedy. But it is something that I found myself doing when listening to music. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't. I have no idea what that is. But that's something. Um, because I'm working on now. Because um, that eventually that material just became the material that I was most comfortable with. So right. that's what you do at shows. But obviously, if you want to work, you need to mix in some cleaner material. So I've been I've been working on cleaner material. But it's just it's. It's hard, but um, but yeah, I but I have noticed that because like right now I'm at that point where I'm like, God, I want to write something new. Mm -hmm. God, I want to write something else. And I write like every day. I have a notebook that I keep. I jot ideas around Ooh. all the time. I d I do. Uh, uh, all right, well, I don't see the, it. Uh, the one it's in my purse. It's in enough. my purse over there. It is hundred percent there. This is me getting it's up. The St. Louis Independent Comedy. That's right. Notebook that I just Chris walked over to the purse. I pulled it out. That's it. There it's is there. Right there. There's, Boom. There's jokes in there. Um, but yeah, like I'm starting to be interested in things that I think will not work as bits yes. or like are too dark to talk about or whatever. And then trying to dig out what is funny, what is funny and, or, or a spin on it that, you know, people will, people will laugh about. Cause like I, um, I find that the content that I love to consume the most right now at this point in my life are those like 
those like dramedies kind of yeah. like um you you probably didn't watch um Fleabag on Amazon uh, Prime. Did you watch that? Uh, Emma was just talking about it's that. It's fantastic. It's on, it's on my list now. I'm gonna. It is listen. so fantastic because she can like she can build up a comedic scene like nobody's business and then just like punch you in the gut. Like it's it's amazing. So I kind of like to do somewhat of a, a reverse with that, like taking a situation and extracting like the the funny part. Sure. Of it, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like that's kind of the the thing that I'm most interested in. I think I, I get that because I I used to like hear comedians talk about like you know they're like they're you know they're divorces their dead parents. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how are you making all these jokes about something that must have been so like sad for you? And like when my my dad died last year, I was you know coming back from that and uh, I was looking through jokes for like an open mic that I was gonna do and trying to figure out what I want to talk about. And I found a joke that I'd written about him. Like, about, like, his sickness. And then yeah. I was like, oh, well, I guess I can't really do this joke anymore. <sighs> Fucking... And I just told myself, hey, thanks a lot, Dad. And I was like, oh, okay, so there <laughs> is some humor in it. Yeah. But yeah, t- yeah, taking that dark and gritty and, and making it funny at least for a moment. Did you find it... Did you find it therapeutic? Because something... I won't I won't go into details about what happened. But sure. There was, there was an event last year that happened in my life that just kind of, like, shook me. It, it made me feel... I didn't feel like doing comedy. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like going on stage. So, I had a few of those last year, yeah. So one of, um, one I, I'm like, so I started writing about it and I kind of started writing jokes about it. And it, it, it would be a thing that I think people would raise eyebrows about um, making jokes about and, and stuff like that. Definitely. It's one of those subjects where like the room kind of goes They tighten tie up a little bit. But I ended up just going to, I never performed it anywhere other than like just going to the improv shop open mic and mm-hmm. just talking about it. And, and it was, I mean, I think, I think to an extent that like doing stand up is always kind of for yourself or whatever, but like that night it truly was just for me, yeah. like a therapeutic sort of thing. So I actually, you know, I kind of appreciate that about it. Um, uh, yeah. Have you seen All About Nina? No. It's, what is, uh, what is it's on Netflix right now. It's a movie about a uh, stand-up comedian who moves from New York to L.A. to kind of mm-hmm. like escape all the shit she's got going on at home. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, to take that next step in her career. Like she's, she's got an agent in L.A. She's got auditions coming up for like big projects. Yeah. But at the core of it, she's trying to get a fresh start. And so yeah. moving across the country is a way to do it. And there is, I don't want to, I won't get too much into it because it's a great movie. I think you'd really like it. Uh, but there, there's a pivotal scene where she's on stage, and it's kind of the same thing. It's like she, her entire set from beginning to end, it's just doing it for her. It's not really caring what the audience is gonna think mm-hmm. about it. So it, I think it sends a really powerful uh, tone for what comedians go through. Like we mm-hmm. get on stage and we talk about these sometimes really darker, sad, depressing things. Mm-hmm. That have happened, like when I, like, uh, when my girlfriend broke up with me last year. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah, I mean, just started making jokes. Yeah. About like, oh, now I've got this engagement ring I can't do anything with. And yeah, it's like funny. Has she like, heard anything about that? Like, do you think I'm, she's... I'm not sending her my clips, so I... Well, I, okay. I, I, no, I, I mean, I mean, like, you know, because that's something that people are conscious of. Yeah. Sometimes, like, oh, I don't want this to get back to this person. Exactly. Or I have to wait a certain amount of time for this to I, I hope her new boyfriend hears it, so he'll come and Ooh. buy it from me. I'll give him a deal on it if he... <laughs> but, yeah, but, like, I can... I like, have, I have a, a, a wedding dress that I didn't... Use. I'm saying uh, we got it's so, beautiful, so we can like we got some as a bundle, bundle package, uh, wedding dress package. and engagement ring. I also have my um, $300 breast pump. I use three hundred dollars six weeks. 
I used it for six weeks. Is barely, a, barely even used. Is that so a short amount of time? Shotgun use, uh, wedding starter package is what we can do. It, what's the normal lifespan of a breast pump? Oh God! Well, this is a good one. It has anybody listening. But does, do uh, most people? Has, do most women? Is it about six weeks? Oh Jesus! Like people? No, people use it. Um, you know, until they stop breastfeeding their kid. My kid just, we just didn't work out. Yeah, that's what I was trying to find a, a, a non way to ask you. Like, what, you know okay. what it was? And I'll, this is nothing to do with literally anything. We're sure. About. I, uh, I was taking an antihistamine that I shouldn't have been taking, and people said it would be fine, but it just kind of, like, cut off the, the supply. Yeah. So that's, you know, and it hurt like a motherfucker. Not the pump. The pump's very comfortable. Sure, sure. Um, if any of you just want your nipples stimulated, I'm also... I don't really care what you use it for. Um, she just needs it out of her I garage. Just, I would like some money for it, and it would be nice. Just so just it would be hit nice. us up. I don't uh, need it anymore. I'm not planning on having any more kids. I just implycompany at gmail.com. Thank you. Chris will forward it to us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it just comes up. Yeah, I can make a joke about this really sad thing that happened. We can all yeah. laugh about it on stage, but like, guys, I'm actually really fucking sad about this. And yeah. so I think sometimes it is important. What do you do? Because I've had this type. What do you do when... Uh, there was there was one night where I don't know if it was something going in my life or I just had terrible PMS, which happens to sure, me a yeah. lot. Monthly. Um, Wait, every obviously, month? Obviously, <laughs> and that's always like the most pain in the ass time to do comedy because mm-hmm. I have I have four days. I have four days. Right. I have my my awesome sex monster day. Favorite day. I think that's an evolution. I think that's divine intervention to make me tolerable the other three days. There you go. And I have my angry pissed off ooh, like monster everything irritates me day then I have like my sad crying day mm-hmm. very depressed and then uh, fourth day is just kind of ennui just kind of blatant like ennui and I'm conscious of it and I know that about myself um, but yeah there was like there's those nights are always the hardest to do stand up because it's like I don't feel like going out there, I don't, or I'm about to cry. There was one night I don't even know I was upset. Chris here was backstage with me. I was literally, it was an open mic. I was literally like a second away from crying. There were tears in my eyes. I gave him a quick hug. Call, like they called my name, ran out on stage, like, and I did really well. And yep. I did, and then I come back out and I was like kind of pumped from like doing well. And I just, I felt like a total psychopath. <laughs> like I felt like a total psychopath. Like I'm right there sometimes when you have to just turn it on. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you feel insane. So like, God, I can't imagine being in a position where I'm that depressed or something like all the time, and then just having to go like turn it on. You know, that's it's unimaginable, and it's yeah. So I'm there with you. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. We work fun. through some stuff. Sometimes. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's what it's really all about: is finding a way to take take your experience and turn it into something not necessarily bigger than yourself, but mm-hmm. collaborative with everyone else. How to share your experience with the world to let well, other people know, know, at least for a moment, that yeah, we're all going through something like this. And we might have different, we might feel different ways about it. It's not a way to like relate to someone or tell someone how they should mm-hmm. react to something. It's just, hey, this, this happened to me. This is how I got through it. Yeah. Take that, do what you want with it. It's just my gift to you passing it on. Use it or don't, it's fine. Well, and like even if you can reach out to like one person, that's like that that that's amazing. Like, um, I talked about her before, I'll talk about her again because she's one of my just like career idols. Uh, Mindy Kaling, when um my my ex and I broke up, we had a we had a son together. 
um, we were going to get married, we were engaged, and we were breaking up. And at that same moment, um, at that point in the series, the same exact thing basically was happening on, between, Mindy? on, okay. on the Mindy Project between her and her, uh, her baby daddy, her fiancé. And so it just became this, like, very cathartic, you know, like... The, like, that show, The Mindy Project, just, like, got me through that time. Like, because, like, not only was it mirroring my life, but I'd, like, go back and I'd watch older episodes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And i just, like, I'd just laugh when I felt like crying. I would just laugh. I felt like a psychopath. Like, I feel like crying. But I remembered something funny that happened on the show, and now I'm laughing. So, like, I, I truly just, like, believe in the power of, you know, you know stand-up and shows and stuff to get you through that. So I, you know, in that way, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to kind of explore and and go through, you know. So, yeah, I think it's a cathartic thing. A release, there we go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. uh, where are some places here in town coming up or ever that people can kind of see you go through this cathartic release? And I won't I won't be cathartic on that. Okay, all right. I'm, if you, if you, if you I'm, I'm pretty laugh, good. Sure. I'm pretty good. <laughs> She's pretty good. She's pretty people good. Are like, she sounds depressing as fuck. No, that's <laughs> not true. That's not true. Let's see. I have... Uh, I'm pulling up my calendar here. I know July 5th. I'm doing Yale Hollander's uh, Clayton Comedy Series. Hey! Yeah, that's at Kingside After Dark. That uh, is going to be, I believe it's an 8 p.m. show. Or no, ooh, a 9 p.m. 9 show. 9 p.m. show. That's, that's, sexy, that's a sexy time of night. That's it. 9 I think p.m. That's... show, no cover. Yep. At Kingside After Dark. Um, and then. I have Chad Wallace's birthday uh, birthday show, New Comic Hootis. Oh, at yeah. The Heavy Anchor. That's another 9 o'clock show with a bunch of cool and so comics who, in town. people who don't know Chad Wallace's birthday, when is that show? That show is... <laughs> everyone <laughs> should know Chad Wallace's birthday. Uh, that is Thursday, July 11th. And then I'll be on the um, Southtown Pub show on July 25th. Excellent. We are live. Or no, that's an employee company night. Employee company. Hey, employee yeah. company hey. at Southtown Pub. So that's a place you can see mm-hmm. Kate Barton uh, coming up. Yeah. This is, any any last wise words for the folks? Um, no. No, perfect. <laughs> that's how you do it. I should have, I meant, you need, I, Thanks so much for listening, guys. This has been Inflight Company's uh, The Lions Day. I'm Sam Lyons. I'm Kate Burton. Signing off. Bye. Controversy might have you quoting scripture, potent and vivid as a motion picture. A gem for the people. If you can find it, press play to the end and then rewind it. A gem for the people. If you can find it, press play to the end and then rewind it. The VHS is the VHS lifestyle and canadis.